Tonight, will the sequel to Avatar meet to the expectations of the previous cartoon? Who cares? It's a cartoon. And this is the Awesome Cast. And welcome back to the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. I'm Basil. I'm Doug. I'm Kevin. And that's us. Once again, we're back. It's another episode, like six or seven in a row now. Woo-hoo! It is crazy. We're almost a real podcast. <laughs> I know, right? If you've just now started listening to us, thanks to the uh, wonderful linkage from the guys at AWO, hi, welcome. Check out the Index of Awesome. We're glad you're here. And if you've always been here, well, we're really glad you're here because you've stuck around. Yes. Yeah. That is uh, even more impressive. Yes. <laughs> we've not always been as punctual about our episodes. But no, no, I feel this is, we, have, we are now back very, very on track. We, we have not, you know, our last episode, it just took a couple of episodes to, or took a couple of days to get the last episode out just to random technical difficulties, but we got it out on Wednesday instead of Monday, oh well, but it's here, it's there. Get used to it. Wait, does that mean that we our tracker record is only like we're back at zero? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I like the more of zero point five, but uh, we got it out the week we were supposed to. It's true. <laughs> it, within the same year that it was supposed to. Okay, yeah. good. Within yeah. the same year, that's that's a start. That is, you know, I, I feel overall we are doing very well. Okay, I'm gonna have to start keeping a board with like so many episodes since we last missed our deadline. It's true. But speaking of the website, awesomecast.com, O-S-M-C-A-S-T.com, we have an email. Uh, you can leave, well, A, you can leave comments on the website. That's totally cool. Or send us an email at awesomecast at gmail.com. Or if you have any complaints, you can send that to podcast at chainsupbuffet.com. One day we have to ask them if they ever get any emails. <laughs> I, I know that they want us to do this. Because I talk to them like, yes, it sounds brilliant. Let's let's do this. <laughs> so they're totally on board with that. Like, so... Are, we, are we going to get their complaints? Like, only if they tell them to send it to us. Oh, okay. Which they're totally allowed to, John. Even though your opinions in one piece are wrong. What? He doesn't think it's a good show. He is a fool. Oh, okay, well... We can talk about that at some other point with him. Oh, I think that's more of a case of One Piece has, you know, been running for over ten years. Yeah, uh... And so unless you... And if you're trying to jump into it now, I'm sure it's much harder than us who've been on it, you know, off and on throughout ten years. You know how long it's run? They must periodically insert a catch-up episode. Nope, not really. Oh, really? Yeah, not really. Uh, Barry actually did the calculations for how long it would take one to watch all of One Piece, assuming that you didn't watch the opening and closings, and that you didn't eat or sleep or go to the bathroom. <laughs> if you just watched nothing but the content of One Piece, it would take you something like he concluded like two and a half weeks to watch all of it at this point. <laughs> which isn't to say, which is almost. One Piece has been going on so long that it's almost to the point where if you want to get into One Piece and you haven't been and you haven't been following it and you're just wanting to get into it, you're almost better off 
maybe just starting at the beginning of a story arc and just just going and then when you start having que- after you've gotten into it a little bit and you like it a little bit but you start having questions and you start feeling like you don't know what's going on look it up on Wikipedia or something like I kind of feel <laughs> that's why they did one of the reasons why he did the time skip yeah was to give you a nice good starting point again mm-hmm where the crew's now back together, about to have their brand new adventures. And yeah, that's what, actually what I did. I, saw, I got back into it from the time skip. Because there was a long time I was out of One Piece. But I got back into One Piece. And I got into it because of... He did the time skip and I had a nice, good, new starting point to start with. So I feel if you get into it now, it's not impossible to keep up with it by the time skip. But every day, every week, it's just going to get harder and harder all over again. Yeah. In which case, yeah, and start at whatever you know story arc looks appealing to you. People who yeah. started watching it when it started running are showing it to their kids now. Yes, that is true. <laughs> but, anyways, so yes, get any complaints, send to the Chainsaw Buffet. Otherwise, send everything to us. Unless you have complaints to the Chainsaw Buffet, guys, then go ahead, you can send it to us, that's cool. We'll read them on the air, we'll talk about it. I'll pretend I'm John, because I play fighting games. And, you know... Kevin can be, be Dylan. You can be Dylan. I think you just gotta be sad and depressed about everything. I can do that. You can be kind of the Eeyore of the group, like which be oh you get Charlie. You get the best of the bunch. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, Doug is oh yeah. Like I could just be like belligerent and angry yeah. for no apparent reason. Doug's our Charlie. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and, and, you, and, you, and you laugh a lot. That's 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 the other important thing is that Charlie laughs a lot. It'll work out. And by belligerent and angry, I mean not really belligerent and angry at all. <laughs> well, though no, he's not only belligerent and angry, he just likes he just likes to stir things. He's, mm. an, he's a troll. He's an like, in real life he, troll. He just likes to humorously start shit. He will but, say things just to see what happens. I I don't really like to just start shit though. Although I do tend to make a lot of snarky comments without thinking about it, so I imagine that has much the same effect. <laughs> Yeah. Only I'm not actually going for it. <laughs> so, speaking of things that we go to, and we'll certainly see them soon, but we are going to be at, or at least Kevin and I will be at Anime Week in Atlanta pretty soon after this episode airs. Woo! And that is August it's 27th. 27th, 8th, 9th, I think. Yeah, 27th, 8th, 9th. Look at my awesome daily planner. That's actually a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yes, yes. August 20th. Or, sorry, not September. So, September. September. Sorry, September. 27th through 29th. And we have panels. Four of them. Oh, crap. Four panels that we will be doing. Four panels. Oh. Uh, uh, Sadly, uh, no uh, English jamboree because they decide that's too racist. Uh, I, well, it I is. love the English jamboree. It, it's loving in its racism. <laughs> like you, you have to admit, it, it is a little bit. But it's, I hate to say, good-natured racism because you know that would be disrespectful to actual bad parts. English but, is a really weird racism. Because we're laughing at another culture for for screwing up our culture. It's almost like we're... La- the, the English Jamory is almost like we're laughing at another culture for laughing at our culture. Yeah. Like... Like, it, 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 it's a really weird form. It's like, it's almost like we're being racist for laughing at their unintentional racism. 
Yeah, yeah. I will still forever love the Japanese teacher trying to teach English to the schoolroom of Americans who yeah. are, say, try, are saying everything right in English. And he's like, no, no, no. And he makes them say it Englishy because that's how they're actually taught. It's a clip that transcends all cultural border, borders and it's incredible. So, But we start off on Friday from 3.30 to 4.30 in CGC 104. Which I believe is in the like in the uh, Galleria actual complex where they have the like the three or four little panel rooms. Oh yeah, yeah. Hmm. Which is my anime, or sorry, not anime manga that you need to buy right now. Where I talk about the mangas that I feel are cool, are currently in print, and you should buy them. I enjoy talking about manga, and it's just me talking about manga for an hour. So hope to God they have water. <laughs> hope to God they have water. And then on Saturday we have our penguins and petals. Or Pals and Penguins, but the works of... Um, Kunihiku Kurohara. Yes. So um, be ready for spinning lesbians and uh, musings about what the hell anything in Penguin Drum actually means. And that's going to be in CGC 106. And then Sunday we have two. <laughs> I start off with uh, in, at 11 a.m. to 12 p.m., uh, so 11 a.m. To, to noon, in CGC 104 with Getting Your Anime Groove Back. Where I talk about anime, that if you've gotten out of anime, this might be anime that you should get into. That's it, always a good panel. I think next year I'm going to use the Spice Up Your Anime of Basil <laughs> name for it, which had been suggested by a person way long back. And then we finish up from 2.30, 3.30 in CGC 106 with the weird side of Gonagai. Yes, this isn't going to be Manzinger Z and Devil Man. This is going to be the stuff that maybe you don't hear so much about. Okay. There may be puppets, is all okay. I'm going to say. I, I was going to say, because you're saying the weird side, yeah. and I was sitting there thinking to myself, isn't aren't all sides the weird side? But no, you no, mean the more obscure no, sides. Yeah. You haven't seen his, you haven't <laughs> seen X-Bomber, which is just, which is puppets. <laughs> you look at it and you go... What? It's a mecha show, like that's like Thunderbirds. It has puppets playing out all the parts. You know they're they're doing a puppet show, <laughs> and it's it's amazing. I, I I'm hoping to have some good clips of that by the time the panel actually comes around. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's, it's going to be good stuff. But yeah, you think you know what's weird with going a guy? You don't. No, no, Devil Man, Masger Z. That's mainstream. That's his mainstream. That's his cutie honey. That's his. General audience stuff. <laughs> so we're we'll be covering, and only eighty away can we get away with such a super niche. Like no one would ever actually pitch this to any other anime con, unless you're ginormous like Otakon, where you can pitch anything and it might stick. <laughs> yeah, like eighty away has the only hardcore fan base. More importantly, the hardcore seventies and eighties fan anime fan base that you can actually do something like this and actually it work. And this is also one of those things where we're, we're really taking this risk because a lot of panels, especially any way, where we do go to guy, we're going to walk in and everyone's going to know what we're talking about already by just doing a normal, you know, review of going to guy. This one, probably only half the rooms actually know what we're talking about and not the whole room. So I think it's going to be really interesting. Well, right? well and it might be kind of quick on some of these shows because honestly, it's hard to get any... It's hard to get clips on some stuff that I really wish I could talk more about, but <laughs> but we're gonna we're, it's gonna be fun. It's it's our it's a brand new panel. We haven't premiered anywhere else. Never done this before except Aided Way. So please do come see it. 
I'm really sad, however, that my Friday panel is 30 minutes after my panel starts, Gerald is doing his screw-ups in the anime industry panel, oh. which is the one that I really wanted to go see, but now I'm going to catch the last half. Well, we'll just have to run and catch the last half, and it'll be awesome. So Maybe. Probably. Gerald puts on a good show. So we'll see. Well, if not, I will try to convince my con chair to have them back for any way so I can, or for Amicon, so I can see make it. him, well, I can, or if nothing else, <laughs> stick him in a room, but like, no, this is just for me. Gerald, run your panel no. for me. <laughs> yes. No five guys. No five guys ever no five again. Guys, no. Well, maybe not ever again. I'll have five guys again one day, but not, not, not soon. for a while. Not <laughs> soon. So, that's going to be us at AWA. But now we shall get into the famed, the known, the awesome, the momentary awesome of moments of awesome. It's a moment of awesome. So, nice falsetto. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I am going to start with I think two things, but the first thing I'm going to use or talk about, and this is you know sadly not the best thing to do in an audio medium, but whatever, I don't care. I'm going to talk about by Hobonichi Teko, or translation note Teko or Techo or how do you want to pronounce it means planner. It is a daily planner. It's blue. It, well, the cover is blue. Like this is actually a. Uh, if I were to slip this out, you would notice that it's actually black inside. Ah. Like this is just a cover I bought for it. You know. Uh, you sort of hear uh, that paper rustling. Yeah. Was this given to you by a strange man? And can you turn into a superhero with it? I think he can. I think he's just not telling us. I cannot comment on any sort of magical powers I may or may not have received by the creator of Earthbound. Um, (laughs) Who is... Oh, where's the page? The heck, I have some... Like, he actually works... uh, What's his face? Uh, What's his name? He's in here. He's got tons of quotes in this freaking book. Because <laughs> all these quotes are in like this book, yeah. Um, Shige Sato Itoi. Oh, yeah. Um, he's creator of Earthbound. He actually worked with um, this uh, the Homo- Hobonichi to create this 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 planner or, or Teco. Because um, you know, like, and I bought this because I first when I got a tablet, I'm like, okay, well, I'll do all my things I need to do, all my checklists and everything. Um, I actually stole the idea of doing checklists and, and playing things out actually from Doug, who would write down things and... Yeah, I'll make these giant lists of things I need to accomplish today and then check them off and then I actually used to do like a percentage of how much of my checklist did I actually complete, but that's because like I put like a crazy amount of things on my checklist <laughs> every day. Like, and I wasn't do that crazy, but I wanted like a nice little daily planner. Well, I was first going to use a tablet. And I was going to make a checklist and, you know, set dates and everything. But all I would do with my tablet would be then I'd have its own pay, its own little area on my tablet. Then I'll, I would put it in, like, yes, I put it in and just ignore it. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't use that, pay, I wouldn't area of my, tab, my tablet. I would just ignore it. It was use, it wasn't doing any of it. And it was not helping. And then they announced the, the, Hobo, the Hobonichi um, planner. And what it is, it is a... Traditional Japanese daily planner they make already. That's pretty. That's somewhat popular in Japan. 
But they translated it and, and made it so that you could buy it and they'll ship it to America. And I was like, well, let me try that because it's going to be more expensive than the regular planner. So I could say, A, I feel horribly nerdy and, you know, Japanese, want to be Japanesey, you know, by saying I bought this Japanese planner. Uh, so I've invested money into it, so I have to use it or else I feel like I've wasted money. Mm-hmm. And that worked. That guilted me into actually using this thing. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that I usually, like, I actually also use a, like, a, in addition to my daily, like, gold checklist, like, I usually do keep, like, an actual, like, planner planner, only I do a weekly planner instead of a daily planner, but I actually have always found just writing something down, like, not digitally, like, on paper, in a book helps you remember it even if you do forget to check it. Just the act of writing it down is what, is yeah, what yeah, helps. It, 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 um, but then because you're constantly writing things down in your book, your review, you are just auto-reviewing what you're putting into it. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I've been using those, and that is one of the things I usually do spring to buy. You know, I could buy one that was that's cheaper and inexpensive, but I almost always end up buying one from uh, Barnes & Noble that's got, like, this super fancy exterior cover for no other reason than because the exterior cover will make it nice to look at, so I'll be proud to hold on, I'll be proud holding on to it, like, I'll be excited, you know, it- it'll give me kind of like a, you know, I like it, I like carrying it around, I like the look of it, I like the feel of it, yeah. uh, and it's also more expensive, so I better use it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's really, so, and, I, and I really like this planner. I bought that and its own special cover because you can buy customized covers. Like the actual thing is, it's just a plain black, nice embossed cover. But you can buy all sorts of little fancier covers. You can put a pen in and cards or whatever you need to mm-hmm. to make it fancy. And it's got you know it's got your just your calendars of the of this year, next year, and then you they got the whole then they give you out everything in months. Yeah. And one of the things I really like about it, and this is something that Doug mentioned, noticed it earlier. Yeah, was this that, is the thing I, I commented on. I was like, oh my gosh, what is that? It has such a nice graph paper grid. Like, yeah, and it's a graph paper grid because apparently, and this was something that Toy like, thought of, mm-hmm. was like he didn't want just like basic lines of ruled notebook paper. Because mm-hmm. that A, looks boring, and B, that, that makes you have to think about what you're going to write on each line. What he wanted was a more graph paper design mm-hmm. so that you can feel you can do whatever you want with it. So if you want to use it as a, a sketch, you could. If you want to, you know, you can plan everything out exactly how you want to plan it out. Um, he's also mentioned that you can design video game levels and show them off in like bars <laughs> to try and get the ladies by like, hey, look at me and my awesome planning. Here, let me draw this thing on the scrap paper. That only works when you're a toy and you can go, hey, baby, I created Earthbound. Like... <laughs> And then they make sure that the 12 is offset so it's earlier than later because we usually wake up at like, you know, early, later in the morning. We go to bed later at night. Mm-hmm. So he really, it's, and there's neat little quotes. Also, for, if you are wanting to write in Japanese rather than in English, you can, you can write, write your, vertically if you vertically feel like or horizontally. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. And they house, and like every two pages, there's an awesome quote from like uh, professors or Toy himself or. Like novelists or swimmer, Olympic swimmers, like they just get a bunch of not even so much inspirational, but just neat quotes to think about. Like for example, I just went to Wednesday in April. 
You know, it says, one cannot do anything with one cannot do. One cannot achieve anything with what does not do. One can only build on strength, and one can only achieve by doing. And that was from The Practice of Management by Peter F. Drucker, as quoted in the notes to Beginner's Guide to Drucker. <laughs> it's, that's a random quote. <sighs> and then they, then they add, at the very end of it, you know, this lasts till, you know, December. Uh, and then there's just plain graph paper to, to do whatever. And then this one, this year, they um, included things like they translated for the Japanese version, like national flowers, which is a list of all a bunch of nations and their national flowers, uh, drinking coffee around the world, <laughs> where they just list, you know, things about various countries and how they handle coffee, world her- heritage sites in Japan, and then like your person, or a few Japanese words to remember, international size charts, and That's like helpful. your, your, you know, your personal information. Anyways, I'll make sure to include notes on this, and you know, in the awesome on the Awesomecast website because I put up I, a link of where people can order one. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Pretty so awesome. It's, 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 I I really enjoy this a lot. I've already ordered mine for next year, and I had just this cloth blue one I bought. But to really make sure I use it next year, I bought a nice like uh, it's called the Robin Eggs color, which is a nice light blue, but it's leather. <laughs> so it's going to be super fancy, and I <laughs> I am looking forward to it. And I thought I had something else from Mona Vasa, but I'll have to remember see if I remember it later. Kevin, go. I don't have anything awesome. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. No, there's nothing awesome. Talk about Saints Row. Uh, I could talk about Saints Row 4. I feel almost like uh, Daryl talked about it on the last episode. That actually made me go get it and play it. Um, and, you know, my it's a good game. It's a really good game. But it's probably the worst carjacking open-world crime sim ever because you don't do any of that. Ever, except for occasionally when a couple missions require it. What it is is a great superhero and giant robot game. <laughs> Expound. Um, well, like Saints Row the Third was pretty much the ultimate parody of the Grand Theft Auto-like game. It, it be, Saints Row became its own parody and parodying the whole genre of the carjacking open-world crime game. Where and so. To get more extreme, it's like, I don't know, it's almost like what, I think Daryl's having the same problem. What do I say to say that it's awesome while not spoiling things that happened in the game? Because some of it's really awesome and you want to see it yourself, I'm pretty sure. But no, it's maybe the best superhero game I've ever played. Like, I'm counting Infamous and... That's that's pretty high praise, because I, I like Infamous a whole lot. Yeah, Gravity Rush, um, those were all really good. But, you know, you can run around the city, leap tall buildings, fling guys, you know, shoot energy blasts eventually, you know, it, it's... And it's fun. I, I feel bad for anyone involved in the cars in this game, because you hardly... Like, except for a couple missions where you have to get a car for some reason, you, you don't see the cars, you don't do the customizations of the cars... Like, so I feel bad for the car people in this game. Uh, a lot of it is probably copy-pasted from Saints Row the Third, though. Um, I did occasionally fly an alien spaceship once in a while to blow stuff up just because it was fun, not that I needed to. <laughs> but it was it was really fun. Um, it's got it's got Keith David. It's got Keith David as Keith David. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And he's a party member. <laughs> and his name is Keith David. It's Keith David. It's Keith David. It's, it, there's a lot of because he's Anderson in the Mass Effect games. There's a lot of you know 
Laura Bailey as female voice one. That's not female Shepard, but she's doing a damn good try at it sometimes. And sometimes you feel like this is Mass Effect 4. <laughs> I, I, I know that one of the um, voice options is Troy Baker. Uh, and That's male voice one. That's male voice one. And then they have additional male voice that's Nolan North. Yes. And if you play, if your voice is Nolan North, you are Nolan North. He makes reference to being Nolan North. Um, admittedly, I like female voice one because the sheer joy she finds in anything involving robots killing things. She, she just, you know, to quote, I've waited my whole life to kill something with a robot. <laughs> and that's part of it's sci-fi. There's an alien invasion. There's um, an ex- like the game heavily references Mass Effect and the Matrix back and forth through most of the game, but at the same time, it's referencing it references Tron. It references They Live. It references um, I don't know. There's so many. It references Transformers like good animated Transformers in a big way near the end of the game. Um, it's like the last mission of the game. In, in fact, it, I wish that's how Mass Effect ended. The very last mission of the game okay, well, let's, is let's, how I wish Mass Effect ended. Because I, I, I actually want to talk... That's what my other thing was. As I want to talk about, you know, Mass Effect in space, a.k.a. Star Trek. Because <laughs> last year, um, I mm-hmm. did my... I want to watch all of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Ah, and I really because it's my favorite track. I really wanted to watch it all over again. I really enjoyed it, and this year I decided to go back one back because my other thing I really enjoyed watching was Next Generation. And I so I'm now going back from you know the first season, and I'm going to watch all of Next Generation. And it's kind of weird because I believe it started in 1987, so I was only seven years old when it aired. And I've realized that I didn't really get into Next Generation until years later. Yeah, it uh, takes a little bit for it to get really good, in my opinion. Um, well, that is not just your opinion, and I can sort of see it. Like, there are definitely seeds of what I really enjoy in Next Generation mm-hmm. hiding in there. Uh, yeah, like the first, oh, I'm not sure exactly how long it is, but, you know, it's till about the point where Riker grows his beard, the show was really trying to figure out what the hell it was doing for a lot of well, the time. Well, that was the entire first season. Yeah. Like, the second season is where Riker has a beard. Yeah, when Riker grows his beard, that's when it figured out what it was and was awesome. Like, not that there but, were good episodes in the first season. There are. Like, well, there's also incredibly hokey season yeah. episodes in the first season too. Did you not but, see the first Star Trek? Like, there's brilliant episodes mixed right next to like hokey, hokey, hokey episodes, and it's wonderful. So, yeah, honestly, some of my favorite original series ones are the extremely hokey episodes. Oh yeah. Like, Tribbles, like, Tribbles, if you actually think about it, was super hokey, yeah. but it's also one of the best. <gasps> it's like, the original series, I'm like, well, what, okay, what analog of human history planet have they landed on, or what alien space god are they fighting this week? <laughs> yeah, it, it's like old school Doctor Who, you know, third doctor and constantly fighting, like, mushrooms. <laughs> like, sometimes it's super hokey, or, I, or I like, do second love... doctor when they go into yeah. book world, like... Yeah. Sometimes it's super, super, super duper hokey. But it can be awesome. But it's still awesome. Like, oh, there's some great episodes of The Next Generation. that um, Some of them are kind of hokey. But but one of the things that like I really liked about the first season that you don't get in later seasons was that the first season they actually really tried to grow Jordy as an officer. Mm-hmm. Like there are several episodes where Riker and Picard were both busy so Jordy took the bridge and he'd be the one sitting in the captain's chair. And he, uh, there was you know, an episode where he had to make the decisions. 
And other people were like, but you're not the person who should be in charge. I'm higher ranking. He's like, yeah, no, but Picard put me in the chair, so I'm in charge. Now sit down and shut up and do what I say. <laughs> that is exactly how the British Navy used to work, like, in the seven, like, I guess the implication, yeah. I guess the implication is that's how Starfleet works. <laughs> like, and and in the second season, you know, they put Jordy in as chief of, chief engineer, and that's and yeah, he's now the chief engineer because Lavar Burton can remember the techno babble, <laughs> and you know, and it was one of the things where it's like, okay, I like him as chief engineer. That's how I remember, remember him. But I'd forgotten for the first season he wore the red shirt, mm-hmm. like he was in charge of thing. He was he was a uh, he was a helmsman. He was the you know the guy when. Riker and Picard were gone. He was the one on who held the bridge, not like Worf or Data or anybody. It was it was Jordy, and that kind of goes away. Yeah, yeah. But then he also things like Worf also becomes he's now the security chief, and you know, and it, it, it works out. I mean, Russ Wesley's like initial outfit gets less stupid looking <laughs> in the second season. Oh, that's okay because no one hates Wesley more than Will Wheaton. <laughs> but I, I, I'm enjoying it, and you know, seeing like the seeds of lore. And a bunch of other things. Well, I just watched this episode in the second season where Riker and his dad had to fight this really goofy, like, blind, badly suited judo stick match thing. Oh, yeah. Nice. I remember that episode. Like, like, I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. Now. I don't think about it. This doesn't look that bad. And then, oh, God. Oh, yeah. God. That looks... There's hokey, and then there's just bad. And that was bad. Where suddenly they're 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 shooting out really bad Japanese and like in these weird suits and I'm like this looks nothing like judo at all. <laughs> what are you doing? I've seen judo. This is not judo. This isn't even this isn't even Venusian jiu-jitsu like Third Doctor used to do. <laughs> like it's uh but it's but overall it's it's good and I'm enjoying it. Leave Venetian Jiu-Jitsu alone. Hey, I keep hoping one of the <laughs> new doctors will bust that out one day. I really do. <laughs> it was brilliant. Maybe in the last, maybe in Matt Smith's last episode, maybe in the Christmas special. Yeah. I'm hoping for Venetian Jiu-Jitsu. All right, but Doug, bring us home. Okay, so my number one moment of awesome is milk tea. <laughs> Admittedly, I've just tried milk tea for the first time, and it's pretty awesome. I don't know if I've talked about milk tea in a moment of awesome before. Considering how much you talk about tea, that's saying something. Yeah, I know. Well, I think by the time... Okay, here's the story on milk tea. When I refer to milk tea, I am not just referring to tea that I have brewed at home that I have put a large quantity of milk in. No, I am actually referring to a... uh, to a Japanese convenience store beverage. You know, comes in like a plastic bottle pre-made up. Kind of similar to like our Arizona tea or something like that. Um, There's many, many different brands of it. There's many different brands of it. Uh, But it's a beverage that is, you know... Pasteurized, I think it's usually made 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 from a powdered milk, and that's how they... But it, that's how it doesn't like go bad. <laughs> mm. uh, it doesn't go bad. Uh, like, and and it's you know, milk, honey, and tea, distilled into a beverage that they can put in plastic bottles and sell. That stays good for a very very long time, and it is, it is delicious. You know, it is possibly the reason I got into tea is it is so delicious. <laughs> Uh, 
And the thing is that they actually, um, it actually was not available in the United States for a while after after the earthquakes in mm-hmm. in Japan and the tsunami and the nuclear reactor. Uh, there was actually Japan itself put down a we're not going to export any milk products just because they didn't want the risk of contamination. They didn't want other countries saying we won't import it. So Japan just said itself we're not exporting it for the time being. So milk tea was off the market. You would for several years now. You couldn't get it at, like, anime conventions or anything. And I didn't realize how much I missed it until I couldn't get it anymore in any way. But, uh, I actually, I think I noticed it sometime earlier this spring. I was noticing when I went to Asian markets, um, I was going into Asian markets, uh, to get various supplies that I started seeing it again. And I've given Basil very strict instructions that whenever he goes to an anime convention, please, please, please bring me back milk tea. And, oh, man, this time did he deliver. He showed up with, like, six bottles of it. And Well, admittedly, this time I cheated. I went, I went to an Asian market in town ah, and got these. Oh. Because I've been to a con recently, but... Fair enough. But... Oh, and it's so good. If you haven't tried it, if you're at an anime convention and you see one of those food vendors and they're selling it, just just get a small bottle and try it. It is so good and delicious, and I love it so much. <laughs> you can also get milk coffee, and it's very similar. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, they, they do make milk coffee. It is very similar. Um, yeah. But moving along. So... I'm going to make Kevin feel a little bit better about his moment of awesome and talk about something else that you guys have already talked about in a moment of awesome. Mm-hmm. Gotcha man crowds. Ah. When you guys were talking about it, I had not seen it. Uh, I had not yet seen it, so I didn't really... I, I didn't really participate in much in that conversation because I didn't know what you guys were talking about. I only vaguely remembered the original Gotcha Man. Like, I, I did watch it, but it's been a long time. And, yeah. You know, I didn't feel that I had any, like, thing to comment on it. But I've since gone back and watched it. It's on Crunchyroll. Um, and yeah, it's it's a really good series. Isn't it? It's... I, I really do like... I really do like how they have the how they start off with the stereotypical we are superheroes in secret and we introduce our new girl to the team and she completely blows apart that paradigm. More or less with the same paradigm that I am growing to love and I'm seeing it more and more in anime of we don't have to resort to fighting each other, let's try and talk things out and get along. I don't know why so many anime have started like gravitating towards that or if it's just that I've started gravitating towards those anime. But... I really enjoy it, and I actually think there's almost virtually nothing that you can say about it to explain how wonderfully good it is, other than just go watch it. It's, yeah, it's kind of, while it's ostensibly, it's kind of a superhero show, there's not a whole lot of uh, transforming and fighting things, even though they totally can. Yeah, they totally <laughs> yet, can. I don't care. I'm enjoying what they're doing. Yes, <laughs> it's a very good show. I, I really like it. And may have the best villain of the season, by far. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. 
Like that it, is true, and it is by the um, it, it's written to me, directed by the guys who did Tsuritama, which was the fishing anime. Oh yeah, I love that from, anime. From that's yeah. actually what got me to look into that it weird because fishing anime. Yeah, like I remember you talking about uh, Tsuritama being really good. Yeah, Tsuritama was awesome. And I went back before Gotchaman Crowds, and I realized it was the same guys to rewatch it. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, and then I'm like, okay, well now I'm ready for oh. Crowds and that. Reminds me of sort of a side thing. I guess that could be my second. I did watch the Star Driver movie Raw. The first five minutes are incredible. And then it's a recap. Ah. There's like a couple seconds of extended footage here and there. But it's mostly a recap. I almost think like they were making an entirely fresh movie. You know, the first five minutes almost seems like an epilogue. Like, okay, things are fine. You know, things are fine. Takto is a superhero now, apparently, but there's still shit going down that he needs to deal with just now in the real world. And that would have been a great movie. Unfortunately, that's not what this is. And then after five minutes, it turns into a recap. Oh, that's so a little disappointing, but the first five minutes are awesome. <laughs> well, there you go. But it's actually kind of funny with the milk tea thing, because this milk tea, I'm pretty sure is Chinese, mm-hmm. which is really appropriate, <laughs> considering that what we'll be talking about is the sequel series to Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra. So way back... In the olden days, and by the olden days I mean 2005, there is this show that people started raving about called Avatar The Last Airbender that I completely ignored. Admittedly, it took me a while to come around to watching it too. It was pretty close to the end of the series run where I actually started watching any of it. And what happened was, was something we talked about just off mic, but now we're going to go right back into it is the fact that a lot of people were like, oh man, it's so anime. Guys, it looks just like one of my Japanese animes. And that was initially really off-putting. Yeah, uh, you know, sort of like the Teen Titans cartoon, even though it itself was actually pretty good, like, it was also really anime. There were a couple other shows around that time that had kind of an almost but not quite anime style. That, um... Yeah, so, some of them were good, some of them weren't, but it was, usually, in my opinion, it was off-putting because it was like somebody sat, sat there and went, hey, this anime stuff seems to be selling with the kids now, let's make our show like anime, and they would do a whole bunch of anime shtick, but it was still an American show. And you, you kind of had like an involuntary raising of the hackles when you saw it, like, you know, your anime fan heart was like yeah yeah get off my lawn kids you know yeah but um and so i have to admit too that i was at first put off by avatar thing that they were just tr- that it was just it was just like any other western cartoon only it was just like any other western cartoon that was trying to capitalize on anime but it wasn't but it was just a western cartoon i was wrong yeah. Right. Well, yeah, I think one of the reasons why we were also seeing a lot of these things was there was also, you know, Spirited Away only a few years previously had gotten its Oscar 
you know, and we were we were in the we were at the the, the tipping point of we were at the top of the bubble. Yeah. Before the anime bubble burst and we went bust. Yeah. They changed the rules of the Academy Awards, so it'd be almost impossible that anime would ever win again. <laughs> and but you know, so that's why we had a bunch of like anime esque things because that was the one time in the world where anime was hot. Mm-hmm. And now everyone just assumes anime is hot, even though anime is no longer hot anymore, like remotely. But yeah, and finally, what actually got me watching Avatar, the original Avatar, was Dragon Quest Nine. <laughs> Not so much that Dragon Quest Nine somehow led to Avatar as a like thematic thing or or whatever, but I was playing a Japanese role playing game on my portable system. And I like watching a long-running show, so I have something to watch while I'm grinding out levels. Yeah, that's a, I do that on occasion. I do really enjoy grinding out levels in an RPG while watching TV shows. I call it dude knitting. <laughs> dude knitting is chain mail. Uh, <laughs> I, I might well, have to go with Doug on this, but yes. I, I get what you're saying. No, I'm still calling myself dude knitting. Mm-hmm. Like, you know... Because I, I thought of it that way before Barry started doing chainmail. Okay, well... Like, now, dude knitting is... No, okay. chainmail making is actual dude knitting. Well, no, no, chainmail... Making chainmail while watching TV... Like, I think we've been calling that man knitting. So, chainmail is man knitting. Grinding out levels in an RPG while watching a TV show can be dude knitting. And it can be slightly different from man knitting. Okay. I'm willing to make that So, compromise. now we need to figure out what bro knitting is. First-person shooters. Ah, first-person... Okay. Yeah, so if you watch first-person shooters whilst at the same time... As playing first-person shooters. shooters. Yeah. That's bro knitting. Yeah. Bonus points if you're somehow drinking alcohol at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you might be doing that. You might be, like, watching the game, shooting some dudes, you know, breaking some buds, you know. Yeah, if you're watching TV while playing a shooter, that's bro knitting. really depressing. Hmm. Why? Just thinking about a person, you know, shooting some dudes, watching the game, drinking some buds. Mostly the drinking some buds. It's just really depressing uh, that people were drinking some buds. Yeah, there's so many better beers now that you can get. But anyways, Avatar. There <laughs> was this Avatar thing, and it was pretty And I awesome. started watching Avatar. I'm like, well, it's on Netflix. That's kind of how I started watching it, is it was, I saw it on Netflix. And I was like, you know, a lot of people talked about it, and it's been some years, and I'll give it a shot. And I really enjoyed it, and I can, I see why those people were saying it's so anime. I don't believe it, but I think it did learn some things from anime in completely different ways. Uh, I actually, I kind of, I finally caved and watched and watched Avatar. Actually, when I was living in Atlanta, uh, and I didn't really have anything better to do, and it was on the TV. Like I think I had just watched Fairly Odd Parents, so. I'm not opposed to Western cartoons. I, I yeah. love Western cartoons. It's just I want things to be what they are. I don't like one thing masquerading as another thing. I like Western cartoons when they're good Western cartoons. Fairly Odd Parents <laughs> is a good Western yes. cartoon. Uh, so I'd watched Fairly Odd Parents on Nickelodeon. And then the next thing that came on was Avatar The Last Airbender. I think it was actually one of the episodes where Iroh was going on about tea. And, and then you were hooked. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, is- I actually watched it, and as I was watching it, I slowly realized, um, I may have been one of the people who told you, Basil, it's so anime, 
because that was the thought that occurred to me was that oh my gosh it actually is so anime but what i meant by that was not anything stylistically what i meant by that was it had a continual running plot line that started in the first episode and continued on it sure had some filler episodes here and there but most of the episodes if they're not they're advancing some plot of the show yeah. It may not be the main plot, but there's enough side plots that well, even the filler... What they did was, it is sequential, mm-hmm. but they still present it in a very serialized way. Where most of the plots of the episodes, while there'll be something here and there that'll continue the overall plot, a lot of the events of those particular episodes were all self-contained. Yeah, most episodes have a pretty self-contained story, which is which is nice, especially for an episodic show. Well, again, a lot of anime... Recently, the style of anime has not been to do that, and that actually is making me super irritated. Like, I'm getting super irritated with anime that always end on a cliffhanger. Always, always, always. And I'm not counting Attack on Titan, because Attack on Titan's doing something kind of different. Attack on Titan doesn't always end on a cliffhanger. Um, I'm talking more like... The last couple of the, the last uh, half of Ma- Magi, where like it felt like every time the show started, just as they were ramping up and getting into gear, the episode was over, and they'll be and they'll continue next time. Uh, it, like it, it just kept left leaving me with such a like it's something where I'm sure if I was watching it all at once, I wouldn't have even bought, I wouldn't even been upset by it, but. It's that sort of it's it's that sort of thing of where you kind of need a payoff to keep watching something. Yeah. Um, and so by ramping up only to end right as you right as you think you're finally getting into the meat of the episode, only to have to ramp up again at the beginning of next episode. That that is not a pleasant feeling, and I don't. And I, it's actually starting to irritate yeah. me when anime do that. Particularly nowadays. if when the next episode starts. They gotta ramp up again. Yes, somehow. and that's what was happening in Magi. Yeah. Uh, like you thought it was all set for something to happen, yet somehow they're ramping up again when you come back. Right. Uh, and so by having every episode be more or less self-contained, they avoid that. They give me the payoff at the end of the episode, but there is a continual narrative running thread. You know, like they have to cross through a mountain pass to get to this city. Mm-hmm. But this episode, we're just dealing with the mountain, the, the mountain, mountain, pass. A mountain pass. There may be stuff that pays off in a later episode. But. Oh, there's tons of stuff that'll pay off in a, in a, in a later episode. And we also continue to uh, we also continue on the arc that we're on, where they're moving from point A to point B, and this is one of the traveling episodes. But you still you get both that nice payoff from being episodic, but it is still part of a continuing story. And that, in my opinion, was something that I had only ever seen done in anime. I'm, I was not used to seeing it done in Western cartoons or cartoons meant for a Western audience. And so I really enjoyed it when I saw it done in Avatar. You know, one of the things that, you know, that really they looked at with Avatar is that it is overall a 61-episode series. Yeah. You know, stretched over three seasons where they all got, you know, 20 episodes apiece. Except the last one, got, I think, got 21. And it depends on how you count the last... The last episode is like an hour and a half long. <laughs> like, but anyways. <laughs> or if you count that as three episodes. Look, I'm just but, going by what Wikipedia says, and Wikipedia yeah. is always right. No one ever edits it to make it wrong or anything ever. Never. No. I've so, never done that. Ever. 
I've never actively seen that happen. <laughs> so anyways, one of the things that, you know, Avatar you know, took was what, I, what you know, I've heard Daryl Sarai and other people refer to as the Sunrise Formula. Mm-hmm. Where you see in a lot of Gundam shows and other things where, you know, especially, it's really popular for like a 50 episode series. Where, you know, your first big chunk of episodes is much more character introduction, world introduction. And at the end of that block, there's a big twist. And you're like, oh snap. And that hooks you in for the rest of the series where you actually get the actual plot, as it were. And they start, can, they can expound and get power-ups and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. And that's what Avatar did. Mm-hmm. It's honestly not dissimilar than what Star Wars, the original trilogy, did. Like, it's the same formula. Yeah. Well, admittedly, I think, well, the first season is probably the weakest. It's it's the weakest, but at the same time, it's... Uh, it's ne- completely necessary. It's still very enjoyable, uh, yeah. because it's a lot... Uh, there, there's a lot more lightheartedness and... In the was, first season. and Well, that was another case where I think it was really finding itself in the first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially, you can actually, well, you can certainly see, like, if you watch the first episode, the last episode, and as you if you watch the show, there's certainly a, dra- a gradual increase in animation quality. And they figure out how to draw things and do it better. I well, just have a feeling there weren't all that many people used to drawing high-quality animation for Western animation. Well, you know how I, when we were talking about Pacific Rim, um, what's the guy's name that I like? Uh, Del Toro? Yeah. I was talking about how Del Toro... <laughs> and this is a case of just, I'm bad with recalling names. Uh, you know, with Del Toro, one of the things I commented in Pacific Rim about Del Toro was that Del Toro seems to really... Whenever he makes a movie about something, he seems to really get it. He seems to really, like, look at something and get what it is that is what people like about it, and then he plays with that... And he hits all the notes that is what are that's what people like about it, and he definitely he gets it. He understands what it's what what it's mm-hmm. about, what's going on, and he then makes his movie which uh, off of that, and it's usually really really fantastic if you're really into that thing. Um, the same thing I felt was kind of true with Avatar. It was very anime, but it wasn't very anime because they drew it in anime style. It was very anime because it felt like. It was by people who actually liked animated stories. And... You know, I think it was just as much probably influenced by things like Batman, the animated series. Yeah. Yeah. And other things, which was... That was another show that was... It did have its own continuity, but all the most of the episodes were self-contained. Yeah. Now, Avatar is much better about that than having an actual continuity where there was actually... They had a start point and an end point. Yeah. And the reason why we're talking about the original Avatar so much right now is because in many ways the sequel series, The Legend of Korra, is both a sequel and also a response yes. to the original Avatar Last Airbender. And it was a series that, you know, it's, it's sort of weird because what we got, what we're talking about is the first book, Book at One Air of The Legend of Korra, which, which originally could be all that there was. Yeah. And so what we get is 12 episodes, an entire self-contained season with a beginning point and an end point. And in the middle of them animating, getting everything ready for this first season, that's when they suddenly discovered they were getting three more seasons. And But it's kind of irrelevant for us at this for this because they're like, awesome, 
cool, they ignore the fact they're getting more of it, and they just continued on their set. They told the story they were already going to tell. Yeah. Like, it was, I, I don't, and I don't think they compromised anywhere. Because there are definitely spots where I could have seen them, they could have taken it and stretched some parts out, and they're like, nope, we're telling the story we already planned. Which probably makes sense, because I'm sure by the point they found that out, I bet several of those they scenes probably were already, already animated story- it. If they weren't already animated, they definitely probably storyboarded. already storyboarded And there were probably people already working on it. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, it's one of those things where animation takes a long time to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a complete side note, but, you know... Even when you do it on a computer, animation takes a long time to happen. Well, it does. Like, one of... I was reading a thing on Reddit. One of the very few things I've read on Reddit was a uh, Ask Me Anything for the creator of Gravity Falls. Oh. And one of the things he said he really read it was that he... He focused in some too much on Dipper and the teenage girl's like relationship or possibilities or him being love struck than wacky hijinks. Yeah. And he didn't realize he had misplanned that until till later and it was too late to change anything. Like what they had already planned, even though the season was halfway, you know, done. He could he was everything was already in place to animate what he'd already done, planned out. He couldn't go back and change things. Yeah. It's another reason why, you know, uh, well, you know, no one knows this unless they walk, re- listen to it, but on a recent Chains of a Fate podcast, they were talking about filler, uh, not filler, recap episodes, and they are trying to figure out why, and usually it's a matter of budgeting, whether it's time or money spent. When you get a recap episode in anime, that's usually because, well, they need to fill the episode slot, but they're out of budget or out of time to animate an episode. So you get a recap. I've heard more than a few stories about animation studios like turning in their next episode with just like days to spare before it's supposed to air. Maybe and less. <laughs> I've heard of several stories of less. <laughs> so, you know, with, so I'm sure of Korra, they're like, great, we're getting more. We'll definitely plan for that when we're done with this, but we're going to finish this. We've got a story and it's mostly planned out and we, we like it. <laughs> and so we get the creators... Brian uh, Konietzko and Michael Dante uh, DiMartino. <laughs> As I'm terrible at reading names. Yes, an unlikely pair of names to be making an, an Asian-based fantasy adventure, but... Well, that's the thing. Uh, it's very good of you to say Asian-based because thematically... There's actually not. There's actually very little Japanese about it at all. Yeah, like we we've referred to it as being very anime, you know, or not being very anime. But in actual practice, the actual theme of it isn't really Japanese at all, and it's not even Westerners making and trying to make it Japanese and failing at it because they didn't recognize the difference between ancient China and ancient Japan. No, these guys clearly. If you watch the show, what you realize is that they clearly understood and they clearly chose ancient China. For its thematic cues. A few little dashes of other cultures here and oh, there. Yes. Just to make it fun. Um, but yeah, it's more... If anything, it's more Chinese-based. And certainly, especially with the original series, very Buddhist. Yeah. the uh, <laughs> Philosophically, very Buddhist show. The uh, Like you said, there's there's definitely influences from other cultures, but... Uh, I would say the Avatar world is almost like if you took our world and removed all white people. <laughs> I was actually thinking more specifically uh, Song Dynasty China. It seems like it took a lot of cues from yeah. the Song Dynasty, um, which is 
when you, which is the time period that you set a lot of your kung yeah. fu or your Shaolin style I think action. There movies. were a few splashes of Japan in the Fire Nation, but not much. It's more like the serious Imperial China. Yeah. With a couple splashes of Japan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Earth Kingdom was very. Earth Kingdom was very, very China. You know, the water. The water nation was very Inuit. Yeah. You know, there's clearly mixes of other cultures, but again, the main thing—the main thing—is that you, you know they built a very fleshed-out world full of exotic cultures. And then the, also, you know, the magic powers, the bending. Yes, yeah. and don't forget the magic. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and like that, on the off chance you've got no clue what we're talking about, is a certain a certain portion of the population has the ability to control a single of. Element of the classic elements: fire, earth, air, water. Which is actually Greek influence because it was Chinese influence. You'd have metal and wood in there somewhere, yeah. and yeah, but whatever. So you know that's a little bit of a Western thing, but hey, it's it's easy. It's four. It's four. <laughs> it's easy. And each of those styles of how they use the bending and attacks are all based on various yeah. martial yeah. arts. Yeah, and you know it's like your your airbenders. Yeah, they're actually. They're actually very specifically, like, if you watch yeah. it and you know things about martial arts, you can even identify that, like, I think I saw a special on this on Nickelodeon yeah, well, like, um, that they Earth, actually base it off yeah. of specific styles yeah. With of the exception of Toph, Earthbending is basically Baji Kwan, yeah. which is a very rooted-on-the-earth mm-hmm. kind of style anyways, except Toph uses, like, Western Mantis style. <laughs> the airbenders are basically Shaolin Kung Fu, because, yeah. and they basically are Shaolin monks anyway, so they're, you know... They're well, cool. And for example, at Momocon, last year they had one of the uh, Sifus who was who helped develop the techniques. Yeah. Throw their guests, and next year they have that guy and another one. Mm. They, like, have, they have two of the bender guys. Well, and I don't know, maybe was, it's interesting. Was water bending well, a keto? Like, I thought one of them was a keto, but I don't know. I think it's Tai Chi, really. Oh, okay. I think it, was, it looks, certainly looks like there's a lot of Tai Chi in the water bending because it's. A lot of it's kind of, especially, well, a lot of it's kind of slow and graceful. Yeah. And with much, and it's very Tai Chi looking. And what a lot of people don't realize about Tai Chi, if you speed it up, it's actually very effective fighting style. <laughs> yes, uh, but yeah. So there seems to be some heredit, you know, her- genetic hereditary basis of yeah. what element you can bend. The Water Tribe, the Fire Nation, the Earth yeah. Kingdom, the Air Nomads. I guess it's genetic. There seems to be at least one species of animal that can bend each element as well. Yeah, because all the humans <laughs> learned it from whatever from some animal. <laughs> yes. uh, which is the other great thing about the av- like the world of Avatar: The Last Airbender, and also the world of Korra, which is the hybrid animals. That is that's one of my favorite things about it. Like it's one of the things that me and Perry would sit there and talk about as we were watching it, and we'd sit there and we'd exclaim, "Go look! It's a turtle duck!" Turtle Duck! Turtle Duck being the greatest of the... Oh, to the point where the, the king of the Earth Kingdom having a bear. Yeah. Not a platypus bear, not a... Like, like not the characters a... actually sit and debate on that and squabble about it. They're like, you mean he has a bear? What what kind of bear? Duck bear? Koala bear? <laughs> it's just a bear, and that's exotic as hell. Yes. <laughs> uh, although, thanks to Cora, I'm very now partial to the polar bear dog. Yes. Yeah, polar bear dogs rule. <laughs> but... You know, one thing, and one of the things that Core did, because it is 12 episodes, is that it is straight up sequential. Yeah. Like, most episodes lead to another episode. Yes. There is very little self-containment 
in the series. I'm it still sure gives you yeah. that payoff that yeah. I was talking there's about. Most, there's at least something of a resolution in most of the episodes to a, the internal plot of the episode of some kind. But it does, but it does lead into the next episode. I, I feel it's very. It has much more in line to things like Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I assume things like Games of Thrones yeah. and well, Walking and Dead, and you know, it's it's a really good sequential series. And it's more like a lot of your short anime series that are like twelve episodes, twelve thirteen episodes, where you've kind of got to run a continuous story to get your story in. Yeah, you, you're not padding it out with anything. You're telling your story. And in some ways, you know, and the plus side core is very tightly paced. Mm-hmm. Like, there is very little fluff. Everything you see is required. The closest thing to fluff was probably the, um, it was probably at the kind of beginning of the show, the tournament arc, which Basil, in preparation for this podcast recently, we went back and rewatched it all and pointed out to us that it's actually not that big of a part of it as me and Kevin both thought, you know, from when we were watching it when it aired. Although the existence of the tournament is very important to the plot, as it turns out. Yeah. It is. Well, in in many ways, like, A, you know, there's character building. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, you've got your core team avatar for this new generation, yet Korra and Bowlin. Bowlin and Mako, the two brothers, and, uh, and Asami Sato, and but, you know, and so for the three of them, the three benders, they had to learn to A, be friends, and B, be a team. And this tournament arc, you know, all three episodes of it, was required for them to go, okay, now they're a team, they're working together, they're friends. You got the awkward work, you got awkward thrown together, and the, you know, okay, we all learned to be a team, oh, we have a little bit of stress, but we're a team, and we're awesome, and then by the end of that, and the real shit of the series starts going down... They're real tight. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the important thing. They're obvious. You believe that they're real tight Mm -hmm. friends, and it makes everything work way better. And I'm sure that if this was another 20-episode series, we would have gotten a longer term arc. But as it is, we got, you know, three three very compact episodes, where, in fact, really, the majority of the third episode isn't even about the term at all. No, that's when the stuff's going down. And... But, of course, the downside is is that this this show has no room to breathe. Like, none. That's like, true. And things will happen very fast, it feels like. I remember when I was watching it, we, we, were, we were watching it more or less as it was airing, but we, me and Barry took to the practice of not deleting the previous episode off of our TiVo, so, specifically so that we could go back and... Um, and rewatch previous episodes in case we miss something because stuff does happen so fast, and you suddenly realize that they're referencing something that they mentioned in a previous episode that we may or may not have been paying too much attention to. So okay, let's go back to the very you know, let's go back to the basics here. Mm-hmm. It is the Legend of Korra again. It's a sequel to Avatar: Last Airbender. Last Airbender was this kid named Aang. He was the Avatar. The Avatar is the only being that can summon all four elements. It is a, uh, a singular person who is supposed to... He's the Dalai Lama with superpowers. He's supposed to be bringing balance to the Force. Yes. You know, he is the ultimate arbiter. Arbiter. He, he is the embodiment of the will of the planet, and he's awesome. At least that's the Or premise. she's awesome in the case of Korra. And it seems to be about there 50-50. Were, there were several female, like, when Aang, yeah. in the original series, when Aang, like, 
one of the one of the qualities that the avatar can do is that he can access the lo- the memories lives. of all the previous avatars and consult with them for guidance. And both and uh, a bunch of them were yeah, girls. Both the it was about fifty fifty. Um, mm-hmm. There was like the in the one specifically the Airbender previous to him and the Earthbender previous to him. Like it, it goes in a cycle, and like yeah. the Firebender, there was a Firebender before him. Who was a guy, but the one before that was an earthbender who was a woman, and there was a waterbender who was a guy, and an airbender who was a woman. Yeah, and I don't know if it always goes fifty fifty, but no. So if far, you look at that, like, there's but it a, does go from firebender guy to airbender guy. Yeah, so. it, it always goes in that rotation. It always goes in that rotation. It goes in the of, specific rotation to the elements. Yeah, uh, air, water, earth, fire, air, water, earth, fire. Yeah, it does that. But if you there's there's one scene where Aang is accessing his his past memories. In looking at all the past avatars, and they are standing in a row, presumably yeah. of the order in which they appeared, and there's not any particular, well, uh, there's not any particular. You know, um, can be a boy, order to male or female, but at the same time, you're yeah. right; it's still about half, you know, half and half. Could be a boy, you could be a girl, you know. Other than you know roughly what tribe you're going to be looking for the next avatar in, it could be anyone. And at the end of Avatarless Airbender. Obviously, Aang decides that, you know, there needs to be, there's a little too much separation. The tribes are all a little too self-contained. And so he decides to found Republic City, which is your setting for Legend of Korra. And the idea is that this city has all four elements, all four tribes, all four kingdoms. It's a meeting ground. And, you know, it's like there's kind of a parliament where the different nations meet and talk. And by extension, the city itself is a kind of a big melting pot of culture. Yeah. And because of that, like, technology has improved dramatically. It's The first one is very medieval fantasy in most ways, with the exception of the Fire Nation having some little steampunk elements. Yeah, the Fire Nation has a few steampunk elements, but they're very subdued. They're very actually what you would expect in your stereotypical, uh, in, like, I want to say pastoral type setting mm-hmm. where you're, most places are not going to have a high level they, of technology. What course, technology they do are, have is magic, yeah. with the exception of the Fire Kingdom, which, because they have access to fire, they can make steel. They command fire, so they've got steel, they've got steam power. Yeah. Uh, and most of their technologies do, do rely on the concept of there is somebody who can make fire that's going to be operating this. Yes. <laughs> um, whereas in Korra, we now start to get that super steampunky, yes. super kind of 19... Really super 1880s to... It's really... Well, it really shows... The show is North more right based on kind of the 1920s. It's roughly kind of a... It's kind well, of more... Kind of a roaring 20s in fantasy Hong Kong. Yeah, uh... And it's sort of an industrial revolution yeah. here. Yeah. Where There's definitely an industrial revolution going on and technology that's ready, readily usable by anyone. Yes. And there's also a case of, during Airbender, you've also learned of new applications that people didn't really think about before. Things like using fire to generate lightning. Which is a super secret special technique in, in the original Avatar Last Airbender, but it's apparently more common by the time of Korra. Well, the same thing with metal bending. Yeah, and metal bending is a thing that exists now. Well, it comes up in Avatar Last Airbender, and it's really a kind of earth bending. <laughs> but. Yeah, it's something that the earthbender po- party member in. It, it was in like airbender. a thing that people said was totally impossible until one person figured it out. But because <laughs> of this whole melting pot situation. You know, it's one thing, something that's special then can now be taught 
mm-hmm. and access, but more than the than more of a general populace now. So suddenly, this you know this town is powered by fire air, firebenders who can actually generate the lightning. You know, the police task force is all metal benders. You know, who are use all these wires that are all across the city to get around in. You know, now you've got you know dirigibles. You know, there's automobiles about. or satomobiles. The show calls them. You know, there's way more. There's much more technology. So, and the characters are now also older. Yes, there's you know, radio. You know, and things like that. That's, there is radio. There's radio. You know. So, in many ways, like I said it's, it's a response. It's a mm-hmm. it is a sequel and a response where they know the people who originally watched Avatar are now more grown up. They're teenagers, young adults. So now they give us a plot line that is more in line with that age group. Yeah, uh, I remember when Air, when Airbender was coming out, they were talking about one of the reasons that they were not keeping Aang the same. Like in Air, in Avatar: The Last and Airbender, there was a little bit of a shift. You started out with Aang, who was very much a child, and we were totally focusing on Aang. And then as it goes on, we focus more and more and more on... Uh, Zuko? Yeah, we focus more and more on Zuko, who's like a teenager or a preteen. I forget what his exact yeah, age is. He's got to be a teenager. I think he's a teenager. I think they say he's 15 at one point, which means that he was probably like 14 in the beginning of the show. But part of the reason that the they stated that they allowed the characters to kind of age up and they also made that shift was because they realized that their audience was aging, and so they wanted yeah. there to be a character that they could and relate to. There's a legitimately, both well, and certainly in Avatar, there's a legitimately a lot of character growth in that show. Yeah, there is. There's tons of it. And so it seems like, it does seem like the perfect continuation, the perfect response, that when they do this new sequel series, that the main character, she stated to be outright 16 at the very beginning. And, you know... And it, she's very much the anti ang Yes. Yeah, she she doesn't understand patience. She is, or ain't like yeah. She is completely detached from the spiritual part of being the avatar. But she's an expert on the physical side, and which is a, kind of the opposite of Aang in many right. ways. And it's a case of Aang had a you know he had to learn the other elements. Mm-hmm. He already he already knew air. Korra starts off knowing and understanding all three the earth, fire, and water incredibly but, well, but. Can't, can't figure out air. Yeah, she has a she huge can't get a hold block of air. with air, which is kind of humorous. But well, they even say it in the show, and I don't know if I need to wait for the spoiler section for Probably. this comment. Okay, but you know, there's an explanation in the show. That's all I'm going to say. But you know, and so and it makes does make sense because you know the first original books of Ava, of Avatar were you know water, water earth, earth, and fire. fire. And now, by yeah. extension, if you count. Korra's next season, we're back around to air. air. And mm-hmm. so this was, you know, in many ways, when the original thought of Kuro, Korra, this was the fourth season. This yeah. was the epilogue. This was the, you know, the sort of the the, the, the cap, the top to the, to the cake, that it was Avatar. And they were like, let's get some more cake, guys. Let's get <laughs> some more cake. But, you know, not was all well in, in Legend of Korra, in a Republic City, because there is a group called the Equalists. Yeah, there's sort of a problem when you have a city that is a big melting pot of a bunch of different cultures that where you have magic users and people who don't have magic users. And that problem is that... The people who don't have any special magical powers feel a bit overshadowed by the... And you know, the show kind of suggests they might have a point. Yeah. 
And I mean, and in fact, even I, I like when you do get the flashback with like in the council, there's a flashback to an earlier time where some of the original cast of Avatar Last Airbender are older, but they're dealing in the early days of Republic City, where we know Sokka's on the council and he's a non-bender. But in the modern day, they're all benders on the council yeah. running the city. And I know at least one of them uh, is certainly uh, looking no, I for didn't that even, bender utopia. I didn't do... That's <laughs> one of the things of why we had to start TiVo... We had to keep the episodes on, P- on our TiVo until we watched the whole thing, was because uh, I didn't realize that was Sokka. It occurs to me I should have known that was Sokka, but it just didn't click in my head until later they mentioned it, and I, I went, wait a minute, that was Sokka, and I, and I had to go back and double-check, but he, and he makes this great comment about and his trusty boomerang, and it was yes. it was such a wonderful Sokka moment. only one man who ever talks about his boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> and they did the things where, you know, we also get all our sort of our equivalents, like for example, we have a new team avatar, as it were. Yeah. You know, led by Korra. Yeah, you know, then you've got the other two brothers, Bolin. Yeah. And uh who are Mako, essentially are who are te- are from, you know, technically from like an interracial marriage of Fire Nation and Earth. They've never Kingdom. actually explained that one. Like they've never actually explained how I don't one think they brother it in show. No, no, but... in the show they do not explain how one brother has fire bending and the other brother has earth bending. But you know what? I don't care. Well, it's <laughs> both there. Like, one parent was an earthbender, one parent was a firebender. And oh. it, apparently just the genes hit right. I'm... Okay, so... I don't know if uh, any of... Uh, I honestly don't know if any of Katara's kids are waterbenders. I don't think that they brought that up. I know, obviously, one of them's an airbender. <laughs> but, but, uh... So, I don't know. I don't know how it works. Genetics. I don't know. It's magic. <laughs> but, yeah, but you've got the two brothers, mm-hmm. you know... Mako is very much more the silent, brooding hero type. Yeah. You know, that gives Selwyn Koro to, you know, bounce off of and, you know, and, and have the teen, you know, oh my gosh, do I like him? I think I like him. And then there's Bolin, who is sort of the goofy Sokka alike. I love Bolin. I love He's him. He's such a nice guy, too. I mean, he... I like the cute weasel. The fire ferret. <laughs> yeah, the fire, the fire weasel. It's kind of half weasel, half red panda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you have Asami Sato, who is, you know... Who's the, kind of the token normal, but uh, she also can drive damn near anything and is a pretty badass fighter. It's kind of weird. If you think about it, like... If you think about it, like, the roles have all been uh, swapped around. The roles have all been swapped around. Uh, like, uh, the, the roles on Team Avatar, while you can definitely see that, you know... All the and this character is kind of a parallel to this character. At the same time, all the roles have been shifted. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it makes sense because you don't you don't want an exact repeat. Yeah. You know, you want you don't want to swap things around. You want all the elements that'll bring everyone back. But yeah, you know, and then you also have Tenzin, you know, the son of Aang, the son of yes. Aang, and the new. Well, not really the last Airbender. And that that is that is one thing. A lot of the adults that you mm-hmm. encounter, a lot of the adults that you encounter in the show are not actually uh, the old crew. They're actually the children of the old crew, or yeah. children, or, or friends, or descendants. You know, yeah. descendants. They're either descendants or they're uh, students, or they're basically people who would have been kids when the old when the yeah. main characters from the previous series had finally become adults. Tenzin serves the role as the airbending teacher and kind of the wise mentor who 
doesn't exasperated always, yeah. adults. Yes. yes, voice set by J.K. Simmons. And yes. one of his few genuinely good guy roles. Uh, right. He plays a lot of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess Tenzin is a little bit of an asshole sometimes. He, he but, is a little bit. But, but it's one of his most outright good characters. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> and then you have like Lin Beifong, who is the daughter of Tove, who's the hard-ass, you know, hard-ass commissioner chief. of Gotham City. I mean, <laughs> police chief of... She's now the leader of the metal benders who are the police force of yeah. Republic City, and she's awesome. Yes, yeah. yes, she is. And Tenzin has his wife and children who are great for just humanizing the uh, humanizing element to the cast. I actually love very early on. Uh, she's talking to uh, she's talking to somebody who is a descendant who is a waterbender and is, I think, descended from. I think I think it is a descended from what's her name? Uh, Katara is actually in the show. If that's what you're thinking about. Oh yeah, that's Korra's waterbending teacher. Is Katara? Okay, so not Katara's child, but Katara. She's, but she's pretty old at this point. Katara, a pretty old woman at this point. Spoilers: Katara lives well past the end of the series. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was makes, her last remember, you know, Avatar's going to live for several hundred, you know, well over a hundred years. And he actually didn't live that long by Avatar standards. Well. Yes, because they, they said that, you know, the yeah. creators were like, he was sealed in a block of ice for like a hundred years. He spent, he, he spent up some of his unnaturally long lifespan. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, also Katara's a waterbender. They can do things with blood that, you know, the average... <laughs> they're healers. Are, they're healers. They have healing abilities to an extent. So, uh, I, I can see that. And then, but also, just importantly, as all our heroes, we have him on. Who is, you know, evil Spikes people. I mean, Steve Bloom voice acted, you know. Yeah, Steve Bloom, and he kind of is evil Spikes Beagle. But I, uh, I, I still wanted to comment on the the comment that uh, Katara makes to, uh, you know, our air, like, airbender's wife. You know, at the beginning of the series, she shows up and she's, she already has three children. And she's pregnant with a fourth. And... Katara makes the comment, so do you think this one will be another airbender? Because all the others have been airbenders. And the mother just looks at her and goes, oh gosh, I hope not. (laughs) Implying the rowdiness of how much trouble a normal person has raising somebody with magic powers. (laughs) Especially since her her youngest is kind of like... Oh, the youngest is a tornado. (laughs) Yes, he is a a tornado of fart jokes and and snot and... and Everything a little boy should be. And he's yes. absolutely charming in his vileness. Yes. It's, it's great. Which is because Avatar, in the end, is still a cartoon. It is. And they know what people expect out of cartoons, and honestly, they get they still give that to you. You still get, like, the goofy face outtakes. You occasionally get the body humor. Like, you still get the cartoon stuff. There's plenty, yeah. yeah, there's plenty of silly little moments scattered throughout the show that are genuinely funny. Yeah. And it's, you know... And... Many, it's got and some really good dramatic moments. Yeah, it has the full range, mm-hmm. which is probably why it's so entertaining. But Just like having evil spikes. Be- I mean, Amon. Yes, the masked, you know, leader of the Equalists, who's all sorts of badass in his own unique ways that we really probably shouldn't get into until spoilers. So you should watch this show. Yes. This is a show worth watching, and we're getting close to the premiere of the second season. 
In fact, as we record this, the premiere is tomorrow. Yeah, in fact, yeah, which will go up after the premiere. So uh, the first episode of the new series has happened, and hopefully it was awesome. Well, we're all excited about the premiere, which is, I think, part of the reason of why we wanted to talk about right. it. Oh, yeah, no. we should talk about Korra, because we're yeah. about to get a second season. And you can watch it. Um, it's on Amazon Instant. You can buy it on iTunes or any other digital marketplace, I'm pretty sure. I know the Blu-ray of the first book is out. Yeah, the Blu-ray is actually the first Blu-ray Nickelodeon has ever released. Did, yeah. I know you bought it. Is it good? Is it? It's pretty good, yeah. I honestly haven't dug into the special features, but it looks great. <laughs> well, I think I think we're already missing it, especially if this is airing after the premiere of the next season. It is. I think they did actually rerun Korra on TV. I would and, hope so. And I would not be surprised if it gets on Netflix sometime soon. Yeah. They actually took off Avatar The Last Airbender kind of recently. Yeah, they Netflix. did. Mm-hmm. Like, you can watch it on Amazon Prime. If you've got Amazon Prime Instant Video, you can still watch it there. Well, I know that Nef- during the time when I first watched Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix, it has been taken off and put back on a few times. It so, may come back. I don't so know. So it could come back. It's, it is conceivable. But... The important thing is, you should go watch it, and we're going to take a little break, we're going to come back, and we're going to spoil all the things. Spoiling! And talk about what we can see out of the next the thing. thing for the next book, the book of spoilers. So do people like the spoiler section? I think so. Do you like the spoiler section? Yeah, I, I, I'm curious if, if people like the spoiler section, or if this is where they turn it off. I don't know. I think it's at least fair to go, we're about to spoil the hell out of something before we spoil the hell out of something. Yeah. So, either way, I think it's the fair thing to do. So, let us know, unless you hate it, in which case, podcast at chainsofbuffet.com. Let them know. But now, we're breaking for spoilers. Again, warning, we are about to spoil the shit out of Korra, the legend thereof, Korra. Rosebud was his sleigh! Yeah, yeah, and Spike dies and kills Dumbledore on the way out. Han shot first. I don't know if that one's a spoiler, if that's just like a statement. It's a statement now. <laughs> Han shot first. It might and even just last. be. It might now be a belief system at this point. I'm <laughs> yeah. not sure. Okay, but speaking of belief systems, that's what I was about to spoil earlier. Um, I referenced. I referenced that the an, that not the anime, the the television show, the cartoon show, does actually give a reason for why Korra has a hard time mastering airbending. And it actually has to do with, like, the nature of the elements. As it turns out, the nature of the air element is a much headier, much more spiritual element than the other elements that she got more easily, which were more concrete. Uh, it even references the fact that in the first, se- in the first, se- in the first series, uh, during book two, I think, 
uh, Aang actually was having yeah. a bit of problems learning to Earth Bay. He had a hard time with Earth because it was a way more stationary. Is not the right word. Well, it's way more based in reality. It's way more. Yeah, it's way more solid. Way more. He's used to getting out of the way. Yeah. From being an Airbender, where air flows and Earth gets is just right there in your face. So it, there's this kind of implication that. Uh, water and fire are generally a little bit more are are generally a little bit more like thought based, like based off how well can you can you like how well can you think of you know how well can you maintain ideas, whereas airbending is a little bit more spiritual, so it's a little bit more estranged than water bending and fire bending, and earth bending is like we just said, it's much more. It's much more, um, it's much more rounded. It's much more based off solid things. It's much more solid. It requires left intangible thought. Which is funny because in many ways, of course, personality, she's much more of an earthbender than anything else. Well, yes. Uh, I think they actually, if you don't remember, they mentioned that too, is that she was born a waterbender, but she picked up earthbending without anybody even having to show her. And fire. And, then, and, well, well, yeah, and from the there first, she figured out in fire. The, in the first episode, it's like, she's, when you first see her as a little girl, and she's like, I'm the avatar, you gotta deal with it. And she's yeah. like, she water, does, fire, or, earth. earth. She does all three. Yeah. She just does, she's but just they reference it later in the show, they reference it later in the show that when she was a little girl, even though they don't show it to you on camera, they reference it to you in dialogue, that she was born a waterbender, she instantly just naturally figured out earthbending, and then from there figured out and fire. Oddly bending. enough, she seems to use fire and earth way more than water, even. Yeah. Uh, which is, in theory, her, air quotes, natural element. Well, what I wonder is that this may be a case of Republic say it's not having, like, water reservoirs everywhere. Where there's, there is plenty of earth yeah. everywhere, and fire is one of the things that you just summon. Yeah. From the, you know... Fire just, poof, there's fire. So I actually really liked that further delve, you know, further thought on the mythology, and it is something that's kind of a little spoilery. Well, yeah, but you know, Korra's also you know she's super stubborn. Yeah, yes. she is very stubborn. She is rock stubborn, no pun intended. Um, yes. You know, so that was one of those cases where I could totally see that in air. They keep saying is you have to be able to go with the flow. She does not go with the flow, and that's something that she, she had to makes learn. the flow. She, she digs in her heels. Yeah. But and one thing that she did learn how to go through the flow was learning to be a team member with the um, the fire ferrets. Yes, so uh, everybody like actually interesting because we were talking about the fighting styles earlier. Uh, the pro bending fighting style actually owes a lot more to kickboxing and other modern martial arts. Yeah, that take stuff from older martial arts but integrate what works from other styles. Yes, uh, and so it's a, again it's interesting to see that development. <laughs> Let's see. What other spoilers do we want to talk about? It's like there's spoilers. I almost don't even want to talk about them in the spoilers. Um, <laughs> well, well, it's. I remember, you know, one of those things that. One of the things that, that did happen that felt somewhat out of place was A, the romance between Korra, Korra, Korra and Mako. Kind of happened. Didn't happen out of nowhere. It definitely happened. There were beats where it was supposed to happen in the storyline. But still felt kind of fast. Well, I think th- I think that is. It seemed like that was supposed to happen naturally in the course of the story. It felt 
like there was a natural chemistry there. But you're right, it did seem like it happened just a little bit quick. But I completely chalk up that little bit quick to the fact of that the series is so, like, packed of stuff. And it's like, go, 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 because they only had, like, how many episodes? 12 episodes? 12 episodes. They only had 12 episodes to compact this entire story. And granted, you know, we went through an entire, you know, 60 episodes... Mm-hmm. Three seasons before, you know, Aang and Katara got together. Yeah. Whereas this all happened in 12. Also, the fact that she went from having all her bending except for air. Mm-hmm. You know, and then all of a sudden, she was the Avatar. She had everything back. Which, again, made perfect sense considering it was supposed to be a 12 episode and that was it. Yep. But the fact that we knew that they were going to get in a whole, whole new second, third, fourth season yeah. of their own, you know, 12 to 14 episodes a season... It felt like that is something they could have they could have grown yeah. into. Admittedly, I don't know where they're going to go beyond the second season, but it does seem obvious. Well, since the title of the next book is going to be Spirit, it's obviously this is going to be where she actually finally gets to master the spiritual side of the Avatar. Yes. So let's let's begin our spo- let's begin the super spoilers here. Okay. So here's the big problem, as we alluded to earlier. <laughs> so if you have this city where you have magic users and not magic users. Magic users have a little bit of an advantage over the not-magic users. Yeah, when you uh, can command the Earth beneath their feet, or freeze them solid, or set them on fire. Admittedly, there's only like four living airbenders, and they're all really nice people, so no one has trouble with them. But <laughs> Yeah, but it, it does kind of bring up to this point, uh, and it's very obvious that a bunch of the element, a bunch of the element benders are taking advantage of I their mean, power. There are street gangs where... Yeah, Get, the being tri- a bender like, seems to be the main point of getting into these street gangs. Yeah, like the tri- like I think they're called the triple triad. There's a triple threat. There's several gangs. But there's a triple threat triad. Um, the Agni Kai's, which one assumes are fire benders, but yeah, you know, they mention a few others. Yeah, but the, this so so the end result is that the people who do not have any bending ability at all are actually treated a little bit like second-class citizens. Or at the very least, find themselves at the mercy of the more unscrupulous benders more often than they would like. Yeah, so it does kind of imply that, you know, perhaps there's the equalists have a little bit of a point. And when they're first introduced, it just seems like some crazy guys on street corners ranting about benders. They don't seem like they're much of a problem, but... But much like... How Lex Luthor is technically right when he's railing against Superman shouldn't be allowed to win, uh, and then totally mucks it up in his execution of by being evil. <laughs> so does our main bad guy Ammon. Like everything he's te- saying is technically correct. His execution is just so bad that. Well, yes, because he's not trying to. He's not you trying know, to. Win hearts or change the government or actually promote social change. He just wants to rule the world. Yeah, and he's like his uh, conducting a campaign of terrorism. Yeah, like he he has somehow discovered a way to uh, to remove Bender's ability to bend, and he he has this whole speech about how like. By doing that, he's going to bring peace to the world. But again, much like Lex Luthor, no matter what great speech he he gives, at the end of the day, he's really just out for number one, trying to rule the world himself, so... And he's also doing it by way of bloodbending, which is, like, the most, like, heinous, oh my god, I can't believe you just did that 
bending there is. It, uh, offshoot of water bending that, as the name suggests, allows you to literally control the blood in someone's body. I'll leave it up to your imagination on how much trouble that can cause. Uh, normally thought to be only able to be done at during the full moon by extremely powerful waterbenders. Yeah, in the in in the original Airbender, when um, when Katara learned how to bloodbend, didn't like didn't they just keep that as like non graphic as possible? But I don't know. At the it was kind of creepy. Uh, yeah, it was really creepy when it, like she even didn't even so much realize she was being taught how to bloodbend until she realized, oh, I'm being taught how to bloodbend. Yeah. And she doesn't even use it till like... Yeah. She actively resists using it till the person who's teaching her uses it on her friends. Mm-hmm. Also, one of the things I did like, and I meant to mention this earlier before spoilers, but I'll mention it now, is that I really like the fact that it's all self-contained in this one city. Yes. Whereas Avatar, the last airbender, was a very globe-trotting, let's go to each of the... all the, all the nations and learn all these cultures and do all this stuff. Everything, almost everything in Korra is only in Republic City, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a big city. It's it's big enough to handle this kind of yes, storyline they're trying to do. It's a city of adventure, but yeah, well, it's still it's, a city. You made a comparison to Gotham City beforehand, mm. and that's a, that's a relatively apt comparison. Like, it's, the, it's roughly the equivalent of, like, New York City or Washington, D.C., or a very, very large contemporary city. Yeah. Like, as you remind me of something else I was reading on a message board the other day where some people really wished, for example, that Final Fantasy VII had only taken place in Midgar. Yeah. Like, where that city was super interesting and super neat to look at and super neat to run around in, that sadly, you know, the most of it was in a completely different style mm-hmm. with Final Fantasy VII. And that that's a different topic for another thing, but just the idea of having something... That isn't so world important and much more localized. Because even though I earlier said a monster trying to take over the world, he's really just trying to take over Republic City. Because I don't think, even though he's he's positive that he can hold out and he can use it as a staging ground, he wasn't going to. He was eventually going to overpower. There was four nations of people full of people. Or well, three nations. Three nations. <laughs> but still, full of benders, they would have eventually overtaken him. The Fire Nation is around. They still have a huge army. You know. In fact, they refer to the Fire Nation's army as being kind of the peacekeepers at this point. Yeah, that's kind of the weird, well, real spoiler for the original Avatar. In a bizarre, round, bizarre roundabout way that actually turns out to be good, the Fire Nation kind of wins. <laughs> well, again, spoiler for the original Avatar... Uh, that was in fact why the Fire Nation set out on their mission of world conquest in the first place. Life was awesome in the Fire Nation, so the Fire Nation decided that it wanted to spread its awesomeness and, and like, its people had the bet highest standard of living, everybody was doing well in the Fire Nation because they had industry and technology and they wanted to spread that around the rest of the world. It's one of those situations of the world is such a dismal state, if only I could just rule it. Yeah, they, once again, they suffered the problem of their leader was a megalomaniacal madman. Yeah, <laughs> intentions were good, except for the leader. I actually do like in the original series where you get they do travel around the Fire Nation. And the Fire Nation people are regular people. They're great. You yeah. know, like any place else, they're the average Fire Nation citizen is just a normal dude or dudette. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's they've got good ideals. That's also true of the Equalists and Avatar is they ostensibly have good ideals. Yeah. They're being... 
turned into a direction where they're doing a great evil. Yes. And it doesn't help that they actually do kind of have a point, so they do have a little bit of support. Yeah, they, they have a legitimate point. They have a legitimate concern. But the problem is that their legitimate concern is being undermined by a person who wants ill. And I'm sure that, that and this could be something that we, we deal with this the sequel with the yeah. second season. And of well, course, the hypocrisy of Eamon, who is a bender, being the anti-bender guy. Given but. that given that it's the next season is called Spirit, that is in fact almost I'm predicting that that is where this goes. Uh, I am predicting that the ultimate end of this of the segment of Korra, the legend of Korra, is actually rather than I'm calling it now. I don't know that this is what's going to happen, but I'm calling it anyway. My prediction is that we we began season one with the equalists who are trying to take away bending from everybody else. Uh, they even take it away from Korra for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they even take it away from Korra for a little bit, you know, going, look, we've taken the power of the Avatar away from the Avatar. Oh. But I have a feeling that what is going to happen by the end of The Legend of Korra is that she is going to give bending to everybody. And everybody is going to be able to be a bender. That's interesting. That's my theory. I'm expecting the second season will be kind of the uh, spirit versus the material kind of story, mm-hmm. but as book one spirit and from all i've seen it does look like spirits from the spirit world are coming and messing shit up somehow but there's still more seasons we're kind of guaranteed more show so like they they have said we're getting you know three more seasons and book two spirits will be 14 episodes and then book three book four will be both 13 episodes Mm. so it'll be shorter seasons than avatar last airbender but well i think we're gonna get the same thing where we're gonna get one compact set storyline yeah like I don't think we're going to see you know the the twenty episode longer form you know series. I think we're going to get more straight to the point stuff, which I think is fine because again, having a much more more of a serialized approach is fine, especially for younger kids. Like, but for once you get a little older, you know, there's something that has a little more meat to the bones. Ooh, I love that, that you can deal with that. I love the. This is kind of a tangent, but I also love the the, the Thundercats remake. <laughs> you know, or, or as I like to refer to it, Tales of Thundercats. <laughs> like, oh man, I love that show, but it does. It also does the thing of there is a continual story right. going along. It, it it follows the same kind of pattern that Avatar: The Last Airbender did. The original Thundercats since, couldn't make up its mind whether it wanted to do the continual story or the. Totally self-contained episodic stories. Well, actually, that's something that old that um, not older cartoons, but like the the cartoon shows from when I was growing up, which would be uh, cartoon shows that were airing around about in the eighties and nineties. One of the things that they did, like I remember this actually, especially with especially with Darkwing Duck more than anybody else, was they had continuity. Mm-hmm. They had a continuing like plot line that was slowly advanced an episode at the time an episode at a time usually even like usually like as a the season the series has been renewed beginning or this is the last blowout episode finale yeah. uh or this is the halfway in part spectacular or sweeps week um, then there's that one episode where Goblin so, makes a deal with the devil that Disney pretends doesn't exist. So there's 
so there so there's usually like per season there'd be like three episodes that have important to the series plot mm. that change the series somehow in some way. And then there'd be like twenty episodes of just like status Monster quo, of the Week status, status quo. quo. Back to normal, yeah. Yeah. Like and that's kind of a, that's what the original Thundercats did. Yeah, and that's that was kind of just a hallmark of that era of yeah, Western yeah. cartoons. I think GI Joe and Transformers did that. It was mostly to usher in the new toy line. Yeah. Although I will say, you know, with the second book of Korra, this is the first time I think with Avatar that they can even say it's so anime because it's half being done by Studio Perio. Oh, that's kind yeah. of awesome. So well, apparently, uh, now Korra is being handled by a studio called a Studio Mir. Which is actually a Korean mm. animation studio was doing the heavy lifting, but for the second season to get, apparently they're working on the, these three books at the same time now. Huh. Like, well, originally again, originally Korra was done by, and actually two creators they writ, wrote and direct every episode in Korra, uh, book one. Yeah, they did all of them because they thought this was it, and they wanted to make sure because it was so compact they wanted their hands on every single episode. Yeah, they had they had to keep it tight. They and had to keep it tidy. Since they're we're probably working on all three seasons now, congruently, that they're working on at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, which hopefully means we'll have less time in between. Yeah, seasons. there's been, there was a big delay here, but you know, like I, like we said, animation takes time. But to get it out, um, they they Tito Studio Piero to get the second season out. So this is the first time that you can now say this is so anime. Yeah, honestly, because it's now being worked on by an actual anime studio. I'm actually <laughs> yes. really, honestly, hoping we get a little more with Co the Face Stealer because that's like the one villainous who's a spirit. It's one of the few villainous characters in the original series who just shows up and then is never spoken of again. Which yeah. is funny because that was one of the things everyone's like, "Is that is that who taught Amon? Is that who did it? Is that that like, was random? Yeah, random ass guessing. And yeah, maybe, like, but we know that before everyone was like, "Oh, it's bloodbending." Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Well, I guess because bloodbending, as crazy as it sounds, is kind of normal. Yeah. Like, it's just a standard application a, of a pre-existing He's just airbending. unusually powerful with it. Right. Waterbending. Well, 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 yeah, and he's, he's hitting the certain chi points. Yeah, kind of like, um, like a Combustion Man from the original series, or also known as Sparky Sparky Boom Boom Man, <laughs> who could firebend with his mind. He didn't have to make any gestures he just looked at shit and it exploded and he was like an airbending mutant essentially or extremely powerful was he so, an airbending mutant or, or sorry, a firebending fire firebending mutant and in the same way it seems like uh, Amon's family has an unusually strong capacity for bloodbending right yeah and so he can do it anytime he wants doesn't have to be the full moon and he apparently can Take your bending. I imagine he inflicts some kind of physiological damage to your whatever well, carries your chi. But you yeah, know. I mean they've they've shown points, and they and people have really gotten real geeked into Avatar, where they even shown like the various chi points in the body, yeah. and where Aang does it to remove bending, he is also hitting very key points. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and of course, body. which we have mentioned, there actually are people who are essentially normal people who are you can learn martial art that actively allows them to fight benders. Because right. they block temporarily block the the chi points that let them use their bending, and they can also inflict paralysis and other fun things. Yeah, that's uh, one of the things that the equalists are doing. Is they're 
specifically learning to fight yeah. benders, now, even though they're not benders. But learning this fighting style is apparently time-intensive and difficult because they start coming up with technological ways. I like the technology. I like the yes, yes. I, I kind of hope Taser Guy comes back somehow. Yeah. Hopefully he's a good guy. Uh, the guy voiced by Lance Henriksen with like the two electric Escrima sticks. That yes. was awesome. Or they've got like shot gauntlets. It's her and- dad. It's her dad. Oh yeah, that's, well that's Sato. He was yeah, one of the. That's really spoilerific. That is super spoilerific. Well, spoilerific, and I loved about the Legend of Korra. There's a giant robot fight. There is, <laughs> and you totally you 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 both didn't see it coming, but when it happened, you felt like it was right, and like that's what should have happened at this point in time. But I like that. Have you noticed that we said that whenever there's a giant robot fight? That whenever there's a giant robot fight, you and me, Kevin, we look at each other and we go, yeah, we didn't see that coming, but it was it was perfectly timed. We and need we, a giant robot <laughs> fight. Like, I think me and Kevin just like giant robot fights. We do. Uh, I do. Well, there's certainly. nothing wrong with giant robot fights. Okay. And I do like, oh, and I do like the Asami Sato, who's ostensibly the air quote normal one. Yeah. She's, in a way, like the... She's kind of the technology one, though. Well, like, she's her dad is. He, I think it's stated that he's not a bender himself, but he's no. using he's using stuff that he's learned from benders and making technology. He's, um, he's basically Henry Ford in a lot yeah. of ways, or Tom, Thomas Edison combined with Henry Ford. Yeah, yeah. And I say this because I think Thomas Edison's an evil asshole, so it works. Well. <laughs> He's the reason that the fire ferrets get to continue on mm-hmm. and get to be a team. Like, he, like, completely, his company sponsors them and, to go to the tournament. And his daughter starts dating Mako, which creates the love triangle tension, but some ends it, up... It's like a whole, like, yeah. love dodecahedron. But thing. it ends up putting Asami into the group and making her a core part of the group. Yeah. And when, and even when the shit goes down... You're ignoring most evil thing ever, which he see frames Cabbage Corp. Oh yeah, yes. and we live he in does. A, we live in a world where an avatar there can be a corporation called Cabbage Corp. Yes, where they're obviously what they do is they sell cabbages. Yes. Well, it's the it's ostensibly the descendant of the cabbage selling man from the original well, show. Yes, so. that's why he says, "Oh no, not my Cabbage Corp." Yeah, as he gets drug part. away, you know, it's, I mean, a it's joke. It's a great joke payoff, but. Because in the original series, they kept destroying this one guy's cabbage cart. Yes. Just kept doing it. You just always seem to be where they were. <laughs> I, I actually have a character in a role-playing game. I know that, okay, I'm going to talk about a role-playing character for a moment, so if you want to fast-forward for a few paces, we'll give you a mark of when I stop. <laughs> we <laughs> sure will. I, have a, I had a character in a tabletop role-playing game. He had a horse and a cart. Because he was selling weapons as his side job, in addition to adventuring. And, you know, and the wizard in our party just kept killing his horses. <laughs> like, his horse would get caught up in, our, in the mage's fireball, we'd go to another town, my character would use all his business savvy and acumen to not only make a profit off the, you know... Weapons of our fallen enemies, but but also acquire a new horse to pull his cart, and then like it would get caught in something else that the wizard cast, and 
and it got to the point it was so bad that he was constantly just like blowing up other enemies' horses, and my character was still getting mad at him just because he kept blowing up horses. And <laughs> that's actually become a running gag in our gaming group too. Is uh, you know his character is constant. Uh, that player's character is constantly like will. The GM will throw around and just say, and that was, by the way, a horse fly that you killed, just to have a, a running gag. Yes. Uh, so, that is the end of my tabletop role-playing talk. Back to Korra and Cabbage Corp. So it was a running gag from the first series that they kept yeah. alive in Korra, uh, in the form of a corporation. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, uh, so you know, and we never we haven't even mentioned Tarlock. The the council. Yeah, the other we villain. Haven't. Who's kind of the other villain? Who's the guy who actually gives the equalist arguably a point because he seems to be wanting to create the world where benders rule over everything. Yes, he is. Like like if you need an example for what are these equal what are these people talking about? Surely it's only low level thugs. No, he's a high level thug. He's like like he's one of the councilmen. Like he, Which is ironic because he's Amon's brother. Yeah, that's a big spoiler. Yeah, that's not ironic. Well, no, they're both trying to do the same things, but one saying he's doing it for benders and one saying he's doing it for non-benders. Ah, I see. And they're both doing it because their dad they're was both a doing mob it for boss themselves. who was trying to yeah. do it himself, and he trained them to do it for him. They said, screw you, dad, and ended up doing it anyways. Mm-hmm. Oh, and how about... Well... Ooh, that's almost too spoilery for the spoiler section, but... I, Nothing I is say, too... I said I want to say, how about a, a kid's... An animated children's cartoon with a double suicide at the end? <laughs> or is it? Or is it? We have more seasons. I mean, it seemed pretty final, but or is it? I, You know, I don't want... I, I think the creators actually said Eamon is totally dead. Eamon and his brother are totally dead. Like, I would like to think that they are. That was a pretty fitting finish for them. Yeah. But show's not over yet. You never know. You never know, and it's not like the and show. Hey, the, sh- the next season is called Spirit. They could actually be dead. They're totally dead, <laughs> and he's the villain again. No. <laughs> Undead in this world now. Woo! Hey, hell, I don't know. Anything could happen. That honestly, what spirits can and can't do has only been vaguely touched upon anyways. Yeah. Like, it's a thing that exists. We know this is a thing, and when spirits get angry, they sometimes just tear up shit. Mm-hmm. But we, beyond that, we don't really know much about them. So Just I, like the faceless guy from yeah. from the, from the uh, Last Airbender, uh, in Legend of, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff that that last airbender briefly touched on but didn't flesh out all that much and they're playing in the same world so yeah. they can flesh out a yeah, whole bunch of stuff and now it's like there's they're lots just of now options. with the forthcoming second season looking like they're even they're going to go back and flesh this part out a bit mm-hmm. maybe so it's going to be really cool i'm really looking forward to it you know friday or saturday for those of us who watch things digitally you know <laughs> will be will be a lot of fun but now we're taking another break and come back. We're give our final, our final decisions, our our final grade on the awesome cast. We'll be right back.
And we're back. <laughs> oh, that was such a long wait, too, between these segments. You I, I know, know, right? Yeah, normally I make us turn it off and brew a new pot of tea. This time, Basil literally just was quiet for a few seconds. And, uh, well, I mean, since we're this, it's final remarks. It's final we're, remarks, we're, yes. This won't take too long, I don't know. Oh, no. Yeah, well, we're coming up on two hours of recorded yeah. audio. We're, we're doing... We're doing pretty good. We're doing very good. <laughs> <laughs> good, Basil says. <laughs> yeah. So, how many polar bears out of awesome dogs? Wow, we barely talked about the pol- polar bear dog. She has a polar bear dog. And the polar bear dog can fight giant robots. It's great. <laughs> the polar bear dog, man, he, you know... It makes it? air bisons look like... Make air bisons look like pussies, and air bisons are awesome. Man, <laughs> it is so funny watching this kid go, yip, yip. <laughs> you know, when grown people are now doing the whole yip, yip thing, you're like, oogie, yip, yip. Yeah, like, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it sounds weird, but okay. But no, seriously, how many out of awesome, Kevin? Um, Your turn. Uh, awesome. The four, all four elements of awesome out of awesome. Alright. Well, I'm only giving these awesomes to the first season of Korra, The Legend of Korra, because, you know, the next season isn't going to even start airing until tomorrow, so I don't want to put a mark down for the whole thing just yet. Yeah, what if it's the Gundam Sea Destiny of the Avatar? Yeah. Well, well, obviously, with Korra now, we have to review each season. You know, that's just what we do. (laughs) We have now set ourselves upon that path. Apparently. So, but, boy, I hope it's really good. <laughs> man, I hope it's good. But, so for this first season of The Legend of Korra, I give it 12 episodes of Awesome. Damn it, that's how I was going to do. Yeah, uh-huh. I know. Like, no. Kevin took what I was going to do, so I took what you were going to do. So you have to think. And by the way, we don't plan these out. We pretty much just make them up as we're giving yeah. them out. So Shut up, you're revealing secrets. Evidently, so we're... We're out of the spoiler section. Quit spoiling Evidently, the we're reading each other's minds as this is going on. How long have we all known each other? There's <laughs> bound to be a little bit of that. <laughs> so I'm going to give it one gigantic, wonderful... Steve Bloom jerk taking away bending out of awesome. Mm. Interesting. Because he took your idea, you took my idea, so I'll go with the taking ideas away out of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but I think... But there's lots that you can take away from Avatar, Lesser Year, and Legend of Korra, and the primary thing is fun. And I think that's the important thing to note, is there is a live-action Avatar Last Airbender oh my movie. God. Is there? I don't think there is. Uh-oh. I don't think there is, Kevin. I, I think I think you're a liar. Okay, this is not like there is no Su- shot. There, it's not like there's no Tsukihime anime. This is a public service announcement. There's a thing out there that calls itself The Last Airbender. You should stay away unless you really want to see senior Fire Nation correspondent Asif Mondi. No, I, I, no, I don't think you, I don't think what you're saying exists. I really, I don't. I think you're a liar and a heathen. And we might not have to put you down, which really sucks. So I like having you around for the awesome cast. But if you're going to keep spreading these lies, these hurtful, degrading, terrible lies... No, no, no. I, I do think that we, we do, as a public service announcement, need to make this clarification, just in case anybody gets the wrong idea. Like, when if you we, think this might be a good place to jump on and get your feet wet, no. When we are talking about... When we spent all this time talking about... Avatar The Last Airbender, we were talking about the cartoon TV series that has three seasons. We were not talking about 
that live action movie thing. I don't think that exists. I think you're just. I think you're giving something power you shouldn't be giving I power to. I wish I could blot it from my mind the I, way you seem to have. <laughs> Basil, you were actually here with me when, when we tried this little experiment because I heard how terrible it was. So I didn't want to see it in theaters, but it came out and I, I eventually wanted to see it because I, I thought for sure it must be so bad that it would come around the other end and be so bad it was kind of awesome. No. Because sometimes that happens. I'm a big fan of things that are so bad that they're amazing. Uh... But this was not that. This was not even that. It was just painful and insufferable. Like, it wasn't even so bad it was amusing. It was just regular bad. And I I kept holding out until Asif Mommy, Mommy showed up because I had heard that his performance was basically the same performance he does as Daily Show Correspondent. And to a certain degree, that is an apt description of it, but it's... Not that he's giving the same performance because he thinks that's funny and so ridiculous and he's trying to make it goofy. No, it's very obvious that he's doing that because he recognized at some point this was a bad movie and so he is just uninvested and just going on autopilot. So he didn't even save this thing. It was still just awful in every Uh, way. I I just want to iterate that this is the awesome cast, the podcast for everything awesome. I feel we're giving something way more time than it is due on this podcast. No, it needs to be discussed because the TV series is that awesome. It is so awesome that we need to be clear what you want is the awesome and what what needs to not be given the time of day. I also kind of feel that this is already known. Okay. It probably is. This is probably pretty well known. It probably is. I think we always say that something that you're talking about that doesn't exist is bad, and I think that's good enough. Yes, but The Legend of Korra is quite awesome. It is. It's a sequel made by the same guys who made the original, and it's fantastic. And you should totally watch it, and then we're done watching it, finish listening to this, and we'll see you next time. Go to Boy, go to our panels, go have fun, be awesome to each other, and until next time, we are out. <laughs>